Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. And uh, we are back with our study of the Bible. Uh, thank you for taking time to always tune in and listen. And uh, we thank God for you. We believe for great things in your lives. And uh, here we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we have done 26 books of the Bible. If you have not been able to listen to the podcasts that we've done straight from the book of Genesis, you can find them on our app. That's Bible In-Depth Network. You can also find them on all podcast platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, you name it. You will find us there. And I believe the Lord shall speak to you as you listen because, as we say, there is no limitation to revelation. God reveals his word to every single person who shows the need. If you want God to speak to you, he will come out and he will speak to you. And I believe you shall be blessed. Now we had started our book of Daniel and we've done four chapters. Today I want us to continue with chapter 5 of this book of Daniel. And it starts by saying, Belshazzar, the king held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. Now, at this point where we closed off, Nebuchadnezzar, remember, God showed him his place. God gave him an idea of who he is. He gave him an experience that he could never forget, an experience that was talked about even across the land of Babylon later on because of what he did. And he took him, gave him a heart like that of a beast, all a heart of uh, a wild animal. And he took him out, went into the wilderness, lived with the animals, hey, for a period of seven years. Seven good years, Nebuchadnezzar was not eating chicken. He was not eating uh, goat meat. He was not drinking all those uh, lovely juices that you know. No, he was eating green. He was eating like an animal. He was eating um, the the plants in the field. He was struggling for food like animals. His hair grew like nothing else. His nails grew like uh, those of a bird. And at the seventh year, remember when we left off in that uh, last chapter, he acknowledged God. And he was restored to his position. He started to proclaim God as the God of all things. The God who created the heavens and the earth. The almighty God. He comes now out and starts to speak about God as a living God. Now, at the end of chapter 4, and after that, Nebuchadnezzar dies. His son, Evo Merodach, succeeded his kingdom. Yeah? And it's believed he is the one who set free Jeconiah. Remember Jeconiah who was uh, uh, the king in um, Judah before Zedekiah came on and the governor Gedaliah. And uh, Jeconiah is set, of course, when Nebuchadnezzar was king, he did not set him free. He's locked up. When his son, Evo Moradach, comes to succeed him after the death of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he sets free Jeconiah. He sets free his friends. He lets them have good meals. He lets them have some sort of kingship of their own. 
a tribe or group or Judah or Israelites. Yeah, he gives them some liberty. And it's believed that Evo Muradach uh, reigned for about 18 years and he died. When he dies, his son Neglisa takes the reins and he retained it for about 40 years and then he ended his life as well. And um, his son Labosodakas also takes the reins after him and for him, he reigned just a little time, about nine months. And when he's dead, the kingdom, this one that we are talking about, uh, from the start of chapter 5, goes to Belshazzar, who is king. Of course, we shall see references where Belshazzar is referring to Nebuchadnezzar as his father. But that could imply, since he is the one uh that he's in the same line, he will call him his father, though he could be a great, great grandfather. So here, as for per history, it teaches us that, that Belshazzar comes on after some time. And the period that they're talking about here of the feast, Belshazzar, things are not going easy for him because he's besieged, he's been sieged by the coming powers, the two coming powers that we shall see that were talked about, by the way, earlier in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had received of the kingdoms of the Meds and the Persians that were going to come over and take over uh, the world power, the control of the world. And uh, right now, while Belshazzar is holding a feast of thousands, he's sieged. Around him are the kings of the Meds and the kings of the Persians. They have come to take over his authority. Yeah, but he's putting up a resistance. And around that time, he decides to organize a feast. And here we're told he's drinking wine in the presence of the thousands that he had called. When Belshazzar, verse 2, tested the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Now, this guy is high. He's drunk. And that's the effect of drinking alcohol and wine and getting drunk because they cause you to make decisions that will bring you trouble. His father or his great-grandfather, all those even that came after his father before he reigns, never made such a decision. But now, he's drunk, he makes a reckless decision and says, bring those vessels, the gold and silver vessels that were from the temple of Jerusalem, the holy vessels that I may drink in them. Sometimes you're drunk in power and you feel that you, everything belongs to you. Whatever decision you make, it should go your way. And it doesn't matter. God does not matter. That's the same board that Belshazzar is in right now. He's drunk, of course, knowing that wine can cause you to error. Wine can cause you to make decisions that are not right. That's the same thing Belshazzar does. And he says, my people will drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple. And they make it clear here. The house of God, which was in Jerusalem. So they bring them, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. 
they drank the wine and praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. They did not just stop there. When they finished drinking, they are profaning these holy um, items from the temple of Jerusalem. They start now to praise. They start now to honor. They start now to pray to the other gods. Now, you are using vessels of God and then you are using them for a purpose of praising other gods. Does it happen today? You get the house of God and use it to praise other gods. Use it to praise people. Use it to praise images. Use it to praise idols. You get the name of God and use it for functions that are profane. Same boat here. Sometimes we, in our language, in this generation, where you get the name of God and place it in, a, in, 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 in profane statements and place it in worldly statements and place it in abuse, getting that which belongs to God and using it for profanity. That's what they did as Belshazzar and his royals and his wives and his officials. Yeah. Now, after they have done that, Suddenly, in verse 5, the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Now, something amazing is happening right now. They never expected to see this. By the time a drunk man is seeing that hand, it's not because he's drunk. Because it's reality. All the alcohol went off his head. All the wine went off his head. And he saw something he had never seen his entire life. He saw something that generations and generations might never ever see again. And that was the hand of a man writing on a wall. Guess what happens to him? Then the king's face grew pale and his thoughts alarmed him and his hip joints went slack and his knees began knocking together have you had such an experience before either when it's too cold and you feel your knees are shaking or but for his case they're saying knocking together if they are knocking together there should be some sound coming out the people nearby are hearing the king's knees knocking together why because he has seen something so frightening he has seen something he has never expected to see in his whole life. Just a hand is writing on the wall. And when God has been hurt, there are things that can be done that are extraordinary. Something happens and you say, where did that come from? An extraordinary event happens beyond reasonable uh, uh, position, beyond what you could think of as a person that can happen. And say, how did that happen? Why? Because when God comes out to judge, he comes in a mighty way. When God comes out to rebuke, he will come in a mighty way. And things that are extraordinary can happen when God is judging. Things you did not expect can happen. The reason is our God operates in power. 
our God operates in might. Our God can decide to do something the best way he sees fit. Even if he's going to shake your bones and uh, let them knock within you, he can do it. That's what he did for this man, Belshazzar. So, the king called aloud to bring the conjurers. Because what he has seen, he, he cannot believe it. He says, bring the conjurers. Bring the Chaldeans. We looked at them last time. Yeah, Bring the diviners. These are the people of magic. Bring them. Bring those people who foretell for me. Yeah, The king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, Any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a necklace of gold around his neck and have authority as third ruler in the kingdom. By the time the king is saying you'll be third ruler, it means you're taking almost a third of that which he owns to control. He's giving you a high position. By the time a king is willing to give that, then just know the conditions at hand are extreme. Just know things are beyond his understanding. And he says, if somebody gives me this interpretation of this which has been written on that wall, I give you authority. Yeah? You'll be clothed in purple. Of course, that is royalty. You're elevated from just being a wise man to a position of royalty. I'll give you a gold necklace. And if it's coming from a king, then it's high value. And of course, you'll become one of the greatest leaders in my kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in. But hey, they could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. When people are worldly, when people are vain, when people are just operating on evil power, they cannot interpret the things of God. This is a hand that has come from the Lord and has written a message from the Lord. Interpretation of the things of God belongs to those that are righteous, to those that are holy, to those that walk with him. Interpretation of the things of the Lord belongs to the children of God. So you who are evil, you who practice magic, you cannot interpret that which God has said. That's why when you get people trying to interpret the Bible and they are not of God, then they get it wrong. They give you wrong information because it's not by power. Because they have the power. They do it. They can move things. They can let things happen. They have the power. But it's not because of power. It's not because of might. It's by the Spirit of the Lord that such interpretations come. It's not by power. So these wise men shall not interpret nothing because they do not have that which is required. They do not have the Spirit of the Lord. And in the church today, there are lots of men like this. They practice the magic and they do the miracles. But they cannot interpret that which is of God because they operate in the power of men. They operate with the evil. So they will lead people astray. They will speak messages interpreting the word of God and letting people go astray because God does not speak through such. So when these men come, they cannot read the inscription and they cannot make known its interpretation. It's not that they, they can read it and even, okay, maybe we can read, but we can't interpret. No, they cannot read it. 
they cannot interpret it. And that is reserved to those that God has put his grace upon. And for you and me to be able to learn the word of God, to be able to understand the word of God, to be able to interpret the scriptures that God has given to us, we ought to know that there is a standing we require. We shall not be conjurers and come out and interpret. We shall not be liars and evil men and come out and speak what God is saying. We cannot hear from God if we are not walking with God. We cannot hear from God if we are hearing from the enemy. We cannot hear from God if we are having communion with the devil. No, that cannot happen. These are men, these conjurers, these Chaldeans, these diviners, were people who fellowship with evil. There is no way they would read and interpret that which is from the Lord. So, they failed to give the king any information. Then, King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler, and his nobles were perplexed. Now, there is total confusion in the palace. Because the king saying, by the time the greatest of all have no clue what is here. I brought all the wise men. Remember, when you're a world power and you have a community of wise men, you have picked from all corners. You've picked from Africa. You've picked from Asia. You've picked from Europe. You've picked from everywhere and you've brought them there. They're the ones who serve you. It's practically a message of there is nobody on the planet who can interpret what has just been written on the wall. So there is confusion. Now, the queen entered the banquet hall. Now, this queen they're talking about is not the wife of this Belshazzar. No. It's believed this is a grandmother. Yeah, because when she comes and gives her ideas, they, they, they imply that she has been there for a while and has known about some sort of history concerning these wise men. So this queen enters the banquet hall yeah, because of the words of the king and his nobles. The queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. Hmm? You know, she remains queen even if her husband died already. She remains with the title in this sense. So she says, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you, or your face be pale. Hmm? There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Of course, for them, they will think it's holy gods like any of these. But uh, this queen knows. Hmm? And in the days of your father, that's your great father, grandfather, illumination, insight, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. This queen knows the history. This queen witnessed something in that uh, past, yeah, with this person that she's talking about and saying, and King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, adds again, your father, the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans, and diviners. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation, explanation of enigmas, and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned, and he will declare the interpretation. The queen, the queen is saying, what, we are, what you're battling with is not so much an issue when it comes to Daniel. 
your father Nebuchadnezzar would use this man. He actually gave him the highest place among the wise men. He was in charge of them all. He would use him for such cases. Now for you, you've received such an extreme thing and Daniel will be your answer. That's what the queen is telling Belshazzar at this moment. And there is a testimony about Daniel here that he had an extraordinary spirit. Friends, we need good testimony about our lives. What do people say about you, even in your absence? What will people speak about you in your absence? Will it be good news that you had an extraordinary spirit? Or will they say you had a weak spirit? Now listen to the words that are being talked about this man. He has an extraordinary spirit. He has knowledge and insight. He interprets dreams, explains enigmas, solves difficult problems. Anything that is an issue, he is a solution. We need testimony. It may not be exactly that, like the one of Daniel that you interpret dreams and do what, but there is something in your field, in your work that they should be, you should be known uh, for, that when the entire world has failed, you are the solution. They say, if you do not call this person, if you do not call Esther, if you do not call Michael, if you do not call so-and-so, that will not be solved because you are the top in that field. You are the cream of that field. You are the one that makes things move in that field. Now, as far as these issues were concerned, in the entire kingdom, there was one man. It was Daniel. And the queen tells Belshazzar, you know what? Call that man. Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you Daniel? Hmm? Now, it looks like the king had never really tried to follow up on what is who is the uh, person that has the power or authority as far as things are concerned in his kingdom. Maybe because he had never received anything that demanded such knowledge. But now he asks, Are you that Daniel? Hmm? Who is one of the exiles of Judah? Whom my father the king brought from Judah? He's wondering, are you the one? Now I have heard about you. That a spirit of the gods is in you. And that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. I don't know why I'm trapped with that. But there has to be something that they talk about me as Alex. There has to be something that they talk about you as Fred. There is something that they need to talk about you, whoever is listening to me, that they will mention that about you. You are insightful. You are incredibly wise. You have all that with you, that there is something, a testimony about you, and we've got to work for that. It's not just going to come. You work for it. And that's what's spoken of this man. And say, just now, the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me. But hey, they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you'll be clothed in purple. And you wear a necklace of gold around your neck, Daniel. I tell you this. And listen, you will have authority as that ruler in the kingdom. He's saying, Daniel, if you do this for me, it's all yours. 
Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts to yourself. <laughs> you know what this means? That which is upon my life is not bought with a price. That anointing upon my life is not bought with a price. You don't tell me to do this because you're going to reward me. No, it's the spirit of God within you. And that's something that has to be taken carefully today, that God has given us gifts. God has anointed us to do things. And it's key for us to understand that as those that have been anointed for ministry, you do not sell that which is treasurable. You do not sell it at a cost that to pray for you, to get healed, you pay this much. To pray for you so that you achieve this, you pay this much. We've monetized everything. That's a discussion for another day. But everything has to be paid for. Gifts and enjoyment of such gifts has to be paid for. You have to pay for it to enjoy it. That's one thing that we need to be careful about. Here Daniel says, for me to interpret your dream, for me to give you insight, for me to solve that difficult problem, you do not have to put a figure so that I start to work as if I am working for that figure. You do not buy my gift. That's what he's saying. Keep your gifts to yourself or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. And he says, O king, the most high God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished he killed, and whomever he wished he spared alive, and whomever he wished he elevated, and whomever he wished he humbled. Now he's saying, for you to have all that, God must be the one who has given it to you. You can misuse it, but it still comes from the Lord. And he's saying that is what happened to your father. But when his heart was filled up and his spirit became so proud, that he behaved arrogantly. He was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. That's the period we talked about while we were starting this episode, the seven years that he's taken away. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of the beasts we talked about at the start. And his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of all mankind and he sets over it whomever he wishes. Becoming a world power has a hand of God. This doesn't happen. There's a hand of God with it. Yeah? And he goes on and says, Yet you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this, but have not exalted... But, rather, even though you knew all this, this implies whatever happened to Nebuchadnezzar, it, it became known to the rest of the people eventually. Yeah? And you knew all this, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before you. And your nobles, your wives, concubines, and you've drunk from them. You've praised the gods of silver, iron, wood, 
which you do not see here or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life, breath, and all your ways you have not glorified. Respective that you have other small gods, irrespective that you have those things you worship, your lives are in the hand of the Almighty God. That's what he's saying. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. Now, this is the inscription that was written out. He's going to tell him the interpretation. Mene, mene, tekel ufrasim. This is the interpretation of the message. Mene means God has numbered your kingdom and has put an end to it. Babylon's power is done. That's what he says. Mene means God has numbered your kingdom and has put an end to it. Tekel means you have been weighed on the scales and you've been found deficient. Hey, you Belshazzar, you've been put on the scale and you are deficient. There's not much left in you. Perez means your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Meds and the Persians. That's it. It's finished. You are finished. Babylon is gone. Then, remember the Meds and the Persians were the ones who had surrounded uh, the, the Babylon kingdom and capital at this time. So, he's being told, your kingdom has been given over. To those who are surrounding your capital, to those who are around your capital, those armies that you see are taking over your capital. Then Belshazzar gave orders, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as third ruler in the kingdom. Of course, this he does for many reasons. One, probably because this man has interpreted the dream. And he thinks if he puts him in charge, then there could be some sparing that God could do. Yeah, that's one thing. But also, remember, he had made a promise. Though Daniel didn't show that he needed that, either way the man has ordered, let it be given to you. That same night, verse 30, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. That same night after that interpretation, they came, the Meds, the Persians. Of course, the Persians were led by Cyrus the Great, and the Meds were led by Darius. And they come and take over Babylon. That was the end of the kingdom of Babylon as a superpower in the world at that time. It started great with Nebuchadnezzar's father. Nebuchadnezzar came, made it greater, and it fell with Belshazzar. So clearly, there were a number of kings in the reign and the period of Babylon as a superpower that we saw as we started. And at this point, in this night after Daniel described that interpretation to him, it marked the end of the kingdom of Babylon. So Darius the Med, Darius who was the leader, the king of the Meds, received the kingdom at about the age of 62. And that marks the end of Babylon. And right now, the superpowers have changed. It's now the Meds with Darius and the Persians with Cyrus. Father, we thank you for our study. We thank you for the word. We thank you for speaking to us. And we pray that you help us walk with you. Help us grow in wisdom. Give us a good testimony about us. And let us not profane that which is holy and righteous. Let us not profane your name in our walk.
quick so to give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.